0: We are back for the 258th time, and I'm glad you're here if you're a returning member of the congregation or if if you're new and you just stumbled onto the show. If you are new, we do have a Christian-specific segment, the sermon, if you would. That's roughly the halfway point of the show, sometimes more roughly than not. But I I aim for the halfway mark of the show. And and give it a listen at least once. You may be tempted to say, I don't want to hear no Jesus stuff. Give it a shot at least one time. I think it'll be something different. I think you will get something out of it others say they do so you, you should give it a shot you know i, I always mean to say this every week it, the, you know the intro and outro music the organ playing mm, mm, sven came you know sven found that and and set that all up uh years ago and you may not know it if you you probably like me you once the show is over you just turn it off but the outro you know with the organ like it, right, it has a surprise hard-hitting guitar lick in there <laughs> you gotta listen to it at least one time if you get something out of the show it is appreciated and i ask that you don't be shy pay those ties drop something in the offering plate this is the part where i pass the plate around we got snail mail yeah, actually, that is. That's what we've got. We got snail mail, and uh, kind of experimenting. See what happens. You know, the crypto addresses aren't on there right now. Snail mail is the ultimate privacy coin. See, sometimes the best way to be privacy to protect your anonymity is to go analog. You just go. It's like people doing all their transactions in cash. You know, and then they keep that off the books. Some people do that, and 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 sometimes it's the it's the way to go. I don't have a way to cash out the crypto. I mean, my wallets are my wallets. They're fine. You know, that's, that's nothing, no problem there. But you got to have a way to turn it into money. I lost my way to do that. And it's a hassle setting it back up. I, you know, I can do it. But also here in the U.S., you've got to go through all this crap. I have to pay to have these extra forms filled out anytime you have cryptocurrency. And, and I have, obviously, I have to do everything I can to make sure I stay above books or stay above board. so i have to pay to fill these forms out and that's a hassle so i'm kind of experimenting taking this as an opportunity just do the snail mail and, and and see how that goes so speaking of that let's get into the listener supporter mailbag this week tony i did receive it no note there but i did want to let you know i did get it and it is very much appreciated mr t uh gpd doe for the show thank you mr t I'm glad to know that nobody has ziplined. <laughs> I wore the ziplining. I, I, I'm glad to know nobody ziplined into your living room yet. Week in, week out, uh, Mr. T dropped something in the plate, and, and he has still managed not to be ziplined yet. So, yeah, thank you, uh, Mr. T. Let's see. What else do we got here? Uh, the, let's see here. We Yeah, this is from Triangle Whip, I believe. I had to actually pause, and make sure I was right. He usually put Triangle Whip, he usually puts a triangle on there, and that's why I know it's Triangle Whip. He forgot the triangle at the bottom this time. <laughs> but I look, and his return address is Triangle Whip. That's it. See, ultimate privacy coin. Triangle Whip says, GPD, uh, have you done a sermon on who the real biblical Israel is? Of course, the Israel now is a false one, in my humble opinion. Also, pass some of this on to Sven, which I will. I I will do that. But yeah, biblical Israel versus the modern nation state of Israel. But don't you know they're totally the same because same name. It's got to be the same. Now, of course, y'all know, y'all know the name. Anyway. Well, I. I, I without belaboring the point i do i i I don't i think it's overly simplistic you know obviously the modern nation state of israel has nothing to do with you know israel in the old testament i mean that's just that's just beyond stupid i mean just a a little bit of understanding you you quickly see that has nothing to do outside of they hijacked and used the same name but I also think it's overly simplistic to simply say, well, the ancient Israel, the Bible were white people. Well, I mean, generally speaking, yes, but as far as actual, like, you know, who is the genetic ancestors today? Well, I mean, yes, but, you know, but It, it, and again, this is just my opinion on the matter, but from what I can understand and what I look at, I mean, yes, you have genetic descendants, from there, but you read, look, I read the Old Testament. And I always say when you get into reading about these different races in the Old Testament, don't think that they're anything like us today. So I say it's overly simplistic when people say, you know, well, white people were the ancient Israelites. Well, we're descended from them, yes, but don't even think you're close. Read about David's mighty men, the guys he had surrounding him. You know, like, oh, this one guy could throw a spear and impale four people. Now, hold on a minute. You know, and this isn't like, oh, somebody just kind of, you know, fluffed up the story, you know, exaggerated a little bit. No, the guy literally could do this. You know, one, one guy fought a giant who had, who had like a spear the size of a weaver's beam and he took it away from him and beat him with a stick and took it away. From, these guys were monsters in the sense that, I mean, their strength and what all. They 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 had this incredible strength because they were more genetically pure. They were closer to the first man that was created. were kind of watered down from that. It's so an interesting thing. Like for instance, you know, on the one hand, we'll say, well, the modern Jews are not, you know, Judeans in the sense of related to ancient Judah from the Old Testament either. You know, they have nothing to sit there and read about. The Israelites and whatever, and you look at these modern Jews and they have absolutely zero in common. But then, at the same time, we'll sit here and say, "Wow, the Pharisees—that sounds a lot like, you know, the same things we see a lot of uh, behavior in in these Jews around today." And someone could look at that and and perhaps you know say well you're trying to have it both ways on the one hand you're saying they're they're not these people from the Bible and on the other hand when it comes to criticizing the Pharisees you you say they are they're obviously descended from those people so which is it and and I believe the honest answer is both it's interesting because if you read the Old Testament and I'm not I don't want to belabor it too much, but it is in, or you get me started on something that I find interesting. You read the old Testament and and there's always this war and this, this, this conflict with the Philistines, just a little understanding of old Testament. history, you understand, there was always this conflict with the Philistines. It's one of the main enemies, one of the main bad guys. And yet when you read, I believe it's in first Chronicle. I don't have it off the top of my head and you're given all of these lineages. And it's one of the parts of the Bible that most people will skip over because it's really, really boring because it goes into, well, this, this guy had three sons and these three sons were these three. And it's just nothing but a record of lineage. But when you go through that, you go through this one long lineage and you hit the Philistines. They, they wound up becoming the Philistines. So technically, you could say they had a common ancestor, but they wound up being an offshoot in a completely different people, though there was a relation. And I think that applies both to us and to these Jews that we have today. So, yes, the answer is both. He, you look at the the Pharisees, and I think there's probably a tie there to the Jews of today. And likewise, we ourselves, yes, we're the descendants of Israel, but as a long descendant, ain't nobody picking up no spear and slinging it and able to impale four people. I don't care how much you go to the gym. You see, it's just a there's a relation, but you have to understand it's a long, and and unfortunately, we don't. You know, you go through those books of the Bible, and they were very meticulous about recording this lineage. And you understood this was the father of so and so is the father of so and so, and you went on down. And we don't have that anymore. It's too much time has gone by, and people don't keep up with it. But it is interesting. And I'm sorry if I belabored that more than some of you wanted to hear, but I do find that interesting. And I think it is something that's worth pointing out because you do have all these people, these evangelicals, and they run around. Oh, goodness. Do they run around? They run around and say that we got to give all our money to Israel because that's the Israel, of the Bible, and God is blessing America. Heard him say, I've heard somebody one of these people say at one point in time or another, they said, the only reason God blesses America today is because we support Israel.' These people, they think they're the same because they got the same name, so of course they got <sighs> Of course, they gotta be the same. But getting into the nuts and bolts of it, that's where I think the answer that you're asking, I, I think that's where it lies. Is both peoples have a certain thread to that. Interesting. Interesting stuff. All right. I got one more here. Uh, and this is from Eric. Uh, Dan, it's time to fill the plate once again. So here you go. I've been sitting, uh, sitting in each week. Although you may not have noticed because I always sit in the back piece. I do notice. I've always been a back-pew sitter myself back in the day. I don't like to be conspicuous to know, so I hide there in the back. Well, I see you back there, and I do appreciate it. By the way, on, on these longer notes y'all send me, I do, obviously, I read the whole things. I do edit down for the stuff that, you know, we we read out here. Sometimes I do this for the sake of uh, maintaining y'all's anonymity. Uh And, of course, also time constraints. Anyway, I want to continue with what Eric has written here. It seems to me that Sven's incarceration has been placed on the back burner and no longer has the urgency it once had. Patriotic Alternatives website has something about a GoFundMe account and shows more than 8,000 pounds has been received. And yet a recent order, a show, yours I believe, said he needs funding to reply to our emails. I don't trust GoFundMe because of so many scam accounts, so instead I registered with the official prison website. I followed the rules and used only a debit card, and they initially accepted the money. Then, two days later, I got an email saying they won't accept my money. I did try to send Sven money by way of the email system, but it seems Berwyn, the, the prison where he's now housed, is not yet accepting money that way. So, what's the best way to send him money? Thanks for reminding us of Sven's situation, while others seem to have put him in the background. And again, that's from Eric. And, and I really appreciate this, because I have this bad tendency to assume to uh, To to assume everybody's, you know, I, I haven't mentioned I haven't mentioned Sven's situation on this show because I do that I generally do that on the daily national shows and I've been doing updates, and the problem with that is by not bringing it up here, you might, you know, it, it might sound like you know you might if you just listen to the parish of the Patriots, you you might be like man I haven't heard anything on Sven. And, and that's because I do that on the daily nationalist show. And I should have been pointing out that, that, you know, we do have updates on, on, in fact, on this past Friday, Eric, I don't know if you're the same, Eric. But I did have a message to pass on to thank you directly from from Sven. And and and, and there was one, I believe, the previous week. A thank you to someone, I believe it was Didymus, for the Bible Concordance. So I have been passing on some of these, these messages and whatnot from Sven, and I do that on the Daily Nationalist. Usually it's on the Friday one. It's been working out that way. And I've also been continuing to put the support links for Sven on the Daily Nationalist shows. I don't put them up on Dr. Johnson's Orthodox Nationalist on this show, because I mean, it's up on three of the five shows being the daily nationalist, you know, I, th- I feel that that's suffice. I have my own support info and Dr. Johnson has his, the page gets kind of cluttered. If I get too much on there, that's, that's my reasoning. Um, Sven situation. Okay. This is, this is real good stuff. Uh, yes. First off the debit card. I, and I pass this on again on one of the daily Nationalist shows, um, uh, there has been a problem. People were able to use a debit card and send money directly into his prison account. They're no longer able to do that. He said there's nothing he can do about it. And, and you know, that's just prison policy. He's not being singled out, I don't believe. It's just one of those things. And as a prisoner, there's not anything he can do, uh, do th- about that. The email thing, you know, having money to respond to the email. I, I probably this probably came from something I said as, as you referenced and I probably wasn't very clear on that. again, this is where I fall in this bad habit of assuming okay if you sign up for the email a prisoner program and I should have that link up on the daily nationalist shows and this is what I use. I converse with Finn regularly there's about a week to a week and a half delay just because again it's like snail mail somebody has to read his and read yours. Your mail is going to get read even though it's email. Is going to get red, uh, but I do. We we write back and forth continuously. Again, there's a delay in there, but we back we write back and forth. You, you sign up for the email prisoner program. This is the way it works. And again, this is what I use. And you put money into your account. You got to have money in there so you can send Sven an email you put money in i i put like 20 bucks at a time and and 20 bucks generally lasts me something like two months or so i mean it lasts a long time these emails are cheap to send that's why i said especially if you're international you don't live in britain really it's it's a good way to go i mean granted you have to put down your actual information and whatnot i, I don't know i tell you. you know, i mean there's there's limits you know i understand people wanting to protect their anonymity here but Assuming you're not trying to be an edgelord or something in your mails, I don't understand. I don't think that's really a big problem. But nonetheless, uh, you put money in your account, and it costs you to send these emails. Now, when you send an email before you hit send, there's a little box there, and it says request reply from recipient. And when you check that, it costs you, like you, out of your Email a prisoner account. It costs you like an extra, I don't know, 30 cents or something. It's under a dollar. It's like 30 or 60 cents. I don't remember. When you check that box, it says request reply from recipient. That means you have paid the funds. Now he can reply. If you don't check the box, he has no way to reply to the email. Does that make sense? As long as you check that box, it's right up there above, I believe, where you write your text that you're sending him. And you say request reply from recipient. They're going to charge you out of your account right there. You see it come out at the bottom when they before you hit send. It shows what they're taking out, and like I say, it's like fifty cents or something to now that funds it. That means when Sven gets the email. He can sit down now and he can write out a reply and send it to you because you have paid for it. So he's, yes, it does cost money for him to reply, but you're the one paying it right there. When you check that box, the whole whopping 38 cents 38 cents or whatever. That's why I say it's much more efficient to use the email. system. I really highly recommend it. I haven't had a problem with it. Only problem I ran into is when he got moved from the previous facility to Burwin, we didn't know he'd been moved yet. I didn't know he had been moved yet. And so I'm getting these deals and suddenly I'm getting these uh, emails coming back saying, well, it's undeliverable. And I'm like, why is it undeliverable? Well, why not cause he wasn't there anymore. Anyway, all you got to do to get him registered in there to send emails to is have his, his name uh a prisoner number, etc. Which obviously again, those links are all all that information is up on the Daily Nationalist pages. So there you go. I as far as sending money, what's the best way to send money? I mean, I don't know. I I I, I believe the give, send go link that we have up on the Daily Nationalist show. Uh I, I believe it's legit. That's where I send money through to him. It's gonna be there. If not, you could always put money back. <laughs> Excuse me. My voice kind of cracked, back. You can always put a little money back and send it when he gets out. You know, just do it. You know, it's easy to forget about it, but just just do it. I, I In a way, I do some of that. I, I just had Triangle Whip send uh, some money, ask me to pass it on to spend. Sometimes I'll drop it on the gifts and go. And, and, and other times I've got sometimes people, you know, was like, I've got some cryptocurrency that I can't cash out. Now I'm probably going to send it to him when he gets out. That's probably, you know, so I just put it towards that. You know, there's any number of ways you put some money back and, and when he gets out, you can probably do cryptocurrency, but just, just, you know, you can always wait and, and send it and, and drop him a lump sum. Anyway, sometimes people will send me, you know, pound sterling in the mail. You know, it is really cool. And what I wind up doing is I set that back, you know, like somebody sends me 20 pounds sterling. Well, I just hold on to it. And then somebody said, well, hey, can you pass $20 on to spin? Well, I take that pound sterling and I put it in the mail to him when he gets out. Well, I send it to his mailing address. But, you know, I, I make it work out like that. There's any numbers of ways you can do it. So anyway. Anyway, thank you very much. Hopefully that kind of clears some of that out. Oh, and yeah, there was one more thing I wanted to say. Look, what other people do, this is a good reminder We have no control over what other people do. I'm going to keep talking about Sven, especially on the Daily Nationals, That's when I always open up every show, reminding everybody we have our Sven Long Change Support League. I have control over what I do, and so do you. And as long as I haven't forgotten about him and you haven't forgotten about him, that's all we can do. He's not forgotten. And I always say, drop, drop a postcard. It costs you postage. Just let him know we're thinking about you here. And you know we don't have control. We think patriotic alternative or whoever should be speaking about him more. Well, we don't have any control. We don't even control what other people do. And it's always a good thing—a uh, good thing to be reminded of. Um, speak. So we gotta. We could keep time. I'm looking here. Time is getting away from us. You know, speaking of the Daily Nationalist, I finally feel like I've caught my stride in the Daily Nationalist show. I kind of change up how I'm doing it a little bit, but I finally. Finally, feel like I've got my strike. and uh, and I believe it was on Friday's show. You know, I was talking about <laughs> Biden. Biden. I, I had a thought about Joe Biden the other day. He's, he's an easy target. I admit he's an easy target. I was thinking about Joe Biden, and we're supposed to believe that this guy has the nuclear codes and is making all these decisions. Have you ever noticed, by the way, his chief of staff? Like every president before him, you knew his chief of staff was because chief of staff was always front and center in front of the camera and, and making a point that, you know, he's passing on and articulating what the president's policies are. You know, it's like 99% of you, you know, don't even know who his chief of staff is. Like this guy's invisible. I'm feeling that's who's making a lot of these decisions because when it comes down to it, I was thinking about this the other day. We're told on the one hand that Biden is totally competent, knows what he's doing. Well if you look at this realistically, like if Biden, Joe Biden was one of your family members, you would take his driver's license away, wouldn't you? No, really, if you just look at it. Look at this guy and listen to this guy for a minute, this guy doddering around. If he was your grandpa, you would take his driver's license. You'd be like, Grandpa, we love you and all. But you don't need to be driving anymore. <laughs> really, you wouldn't let you wouldn't let Joe Biden drive. You'd take that old man's license away from him, but we're supposed to believe he's walking around with the nuclear codes. No, he ain't. Nuclear codes. Joe Biden's nuclear codes would have to be, the, the password would have to be password. <laughs> no way he could remember. <laughs> no way he could remember that. I, I was talking on the Friday show, you know, uh, the the whole Tucker Carlson interviewing Putin. Today, and I'm recording this show on Saturday. I usually record this show over the weekends. And. And, and I saw a story this morning, the German chancellor there, Schultz, that nobody likes. You know, it, it's like uh, Tucker Carlson had asked Putin, you know, about the Ukraine conflict and where this comes from and is his want to do. Putin says, you know, basically, st- I say this in all good nature. I hope y'all get the joke, but like. Putin's like, oh, you know, they ask like Tucker Carlson to ask Putin, and he does this all the time. He, in any of his interviews that he does, like with Russian media and whatnot, you know, or he does a speech somewhere. But like Tucker Carlson may be not familiar with how Putin does. And it's like, Putin's like, okay, where did the Ukraine conflict start from? And he's expecting him to say, well, you know, you started with the Maiden, Maiden Revolution in 2014, blah, blah, blah. But no, Putin is basically like, okay, well, let me answer that. And he basically presents an entire episode of one of Dr. Johnson's Orthodox Nationalist shows. You know, well, we have to go back to 1592. And, and he does this and he does like a, a preamble starting from the 1500s or something, all the way up to up to today. Because it is, it, 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 it's important to understand the historical context. These things don't happen out of the blue you got to back it up and understand, okay, all of this stuff led up to where we're at today. What's happening today will lead to other events decades from now, generations from now. These are, It's all interconnected. And I said this on the Friday show. I don't want to be repeating myself, but people in the West today, in the U.S. today, they have this zero history mentality. And they, they can't think. They don't understand because they're not taught history. They don't understand that something that happened in the 15, 16, 1700s is related to what's happening today. It doesn't simply, quote, unquote, not matter because that was a long time ago. No, those things matter. It's all connected to where you're at today. Anyway, Putin strings his whole long history lesson together. And then, and, you know, to culminate with, and that led to our military, special military operation. And the Ukraine story answered. Anyway, I see this story this morning, and then you got these clowns from clown world. You got this clown Schultz there from Germany and asked about the Putin interview. He says, oh, that's just a silly story. The, the, the guy gives us lengthy historical preamble to make sure there's no way to misunderstand where he's saying we got to hear because of all of these things. And Schultz's response is that's just a story. Putin just wanted to take over Ukraine out of the blue because he has imperial ambitions or something. It's simplistic sound bites for the stupid, and that's clown world. That, that is the West today. You just got simplistic. Simplistic sound bites for the plebes, because there are plebes. There are people who are so stupid that that's they they buy this shit. You know, it's easy to convince yourself that there aren't any people like, but there are people that that, that actually believe everything the media tells them. They're they're not as many as they want you to think. I, I do believe that, but they do exist. I saw one in the wild. I saw one in the wild the other day. I was driving along. And, 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 I'm, and I'm behind this little oh cookie cutter, you know, crossover SUV. They all look the same. You can't tell if it's a Kia, a Chevy, a Mercedes. They all look alike. Anyway, I'm behind this thing, and I see a sticker. <laughs> I see a sticker in the back window, and I can see the words on the top of the sticker. And it says, I believe. And I knew it was going to be a doozy because the sticker was basically some form of rainbow flag. And I, and, 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 and I was fortunate, but the writing underneath was kind of small. But I was fortunate because we hit a traffic light and I rolled up behind this person so I could read the rest of the sticker. And they should have just said everything the media and the government tells me because it was a meme. You know, it's like, I believe. And then all the things they believe is listed. The first one is the science is real. I believe the science is real. I believe Black Lives Matter. I believe in equality. I believe love is love. They believe every soundbite that the media tells them. There are people like that. It's, a, it's hard to believe they exist in the wild, but they do exist. Again, I don't believe as many as the media wants us to think exist. It would be so tippy. I wouldn't do it because I don't want to get in trouble for defacing somebody else's property. But it would be so funny to like have a little thing you could put over that bottom where it just says, I believe everything the TV says. <laughs> I believe the science is real. What the hell does that even mean? Define the science. I mean, if you believe in experiments and conducting experiments and those experiments become replicable to prove a hypothesis and everybody believes in that. But that's not what they believe. They believe whatever... The clerics and the white coats tell them. This is what I always say. If you don't listen to Christian specifics, you miss out on all of this. I always say one of the things I, I, I do believe is that man, that man has an inherent desire. A man has a need to create a God. Now, this person, this I believe, more than likely, I bet you if you asked them, they'd say they're an atheist or, or agnostic or something. But men have a natural desire to have a God. And they'll wind up inventing one. This is what struck me about the I Believe sticker more than the fact that there are people out there who literally do believe whatever TV tells them to. It was a religious dogma. I believe. If somebody starts off with I believe and they're fixing to list off the gospels to you, this is their gospel. It's a religious dogma. People can't escape their desire to have a God. If they don't follow the real God, then, then then, they make one up and claim that they don't have one, but they do have one. They believe the science. That's their new God. Their, 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 their priests and their clerics wear white coats and have fancy titles on there and certificates. That's why they're holy and can't be questioned. They believe whatever comes out of the TV, whatever narratives they're presented to, they bow down and worship. We cannot question the words of their God. That's why they don't like you or me. We're heretics and we question the holy words of their gods. It makes sense though, doesn't it? Because otherwise, why would you really care? You notice how these people get so hysterical over the idea that people disagree with them. You know, I mean, you might disagree with somebody, but you don't get hysterical. You act like a man. I, I assume. I hope you do. He's just like, why well, this person disagrees with me. Let's see who's right. Let's talk about it. These people get emotional and hysterical and have like this mental meltdowns. And that's why they love. They take great comfort in the censorship because they don't have to have these negative emotional feeling experiences. But you ever wonder why do they have this such a, a emotional hysterical over the top, just over the idea that somebody disagrees with them? Because it's a religious dogma for them. It isn't just that they believe in leftism. It's because these things that they believe, it is literally a religious dogma. They don't recognize it as such. All of the things that they perhaps look at Christianity or Islam, and they might sit there and mock it, and these people believe in these fairy tales, (laughs) and they believe in the biggest fairy tale of all, and it never dawns on them. The very thing that they mock other people's beliefs for, they're one of the most extreme examples. Christianity has a long history of people questioning it, a long history of saints, people who spent their entire lives, generations and generations of saints, monks, different people, who have spent their time trying to understand, and you, to understand, you have to look and say, well, I don't understand this. So you start questioning, and you try to understand. That's the history of Christianity. These people, they don't have no history. They're They are afraid to question any aspect. That's why they have a violent, negative reaction when someone questions the science which is constantly changing and contradicting itself. The very same science has said, if you get vaccinated, you won't get COVID. Then they said, well, you got to get vaccinated twice. It's a special shot. And then they said, well, you'll get it, but you won't get it. You won't die from it. And then I don't know what the rest of them are up to their seventh booster or some shit. How would you be at your seventh booster and you got COVID again, supposedly? And not like it doesn't dawn on them because it's a religious dogma. It is a religious dogma to them. Don't try to reason with them. <laughs> They're religious fanatics. I'm going to say it. These people are religious fanatics. When it comes to their religion. This is why it failed when, when people, conservatives, for instance, sit here and try to point out these facts. To these people. You know they try to point out facts. To these people and think that they're going to change their mind. It could change their mind. It's a religious dogma. And they're fanatics. If you're my age or older. You remember the whole Jim Jones thing. It's one of the most famous cults. Set up his cult. And they moved. I think it was to South America or some shit. And ultimately that's where the term drinking the Kool-Aid came from. If you're younger you may not know that. The term drink. Just look up the Jim Jones cult. These people went down there and set up a colony and they put poison in the Kool-Aid, told everybody, drink the poison. We're going to heaven today. And people did it. They drank the Kool-Aid. These people are every bit as fanatical as any cult member. It is a cult. Again, this comes back to man's inherent nature. He needs a God. He he is a spiritual drive. Man has a natural spiritual drive to have a God. And if they don't follow the one true God, they're going to make one up. And then claim they don't even believe in any kind of God, but they have one. You look, you scratch the surface, you you show me an atheist, I'll scratch the surface and find his God. Usually it's himself in one form or another, but it's, it's a waste of time when I see people trying to point out facts and use facts and, and, and figures to convince these religious cult, these religious fanatics that they're wrong you're not going to convince them. They're cult members. They would sit down if the science told them to drink the Kool-Aid. The the science told them to inject the damn Kool-Aid in those damn mRNA vaccines. They injected the (laughs) Kool-Aid. And now they got all these problems. They got all these problems. They injected the Kool-Aid because the science said so. The cult leader, the cult leader told them Drink the Kool-Aid. Put the Kool-Aid in your veins. Trust the science. Stop the spread. It's always fun to reminisce. I got to get into the Christian specific segment. One thing leads to another. I always have a lot of fun reminiscing about just a few short years ago and the whole COVID nonsense and the crap people went along with. I didn't go along with it. Most of y'all probably didn't go along, but it is fun to look back. Remember the one-way aisles at Walmart and you were supposed to go up and down because you could only go to Walmart. They closed everybody else down because the virus doesn't spread at Walmart. They had to close the churches down, but the virus don't spread at Walmart. And they made these ridiculous one-way aisles. And you would, because if you were facing the same direction, you wouldn't spread the virus versus if you ran into some people did that shit. All the little footprints, and you still see them. I think the post offices, a lot of the post offices still have them. The little footprints, stand here, then six foot back, stand here. Good times. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun during the COVID because I go into places not wearing a mask. And everybody else wearing the mask. I go in there not wearing the mask. And all these people stand at the checkout line, and they all stand. They stringing the line out they stringing the line out like traffic waiting for a train to go by. They're stringing that line out because they're all trying to be six foot apart. And you walk up in the line with no mask on. And you just walk up. I walk up and just stand right behind somebody like you normally would. Like not uncomfortably in their space. But I mean like walk up because I'm not rude. But you just walk up and stand in line like you normally would. Because you know none of this shit's real. And these people would like freak out and they'd start moving up just a little bit trying to get away from you and just keep moving up in line. Pretty soon you're squeezing that line together and it looks more like what it's (laughs) more like what it's supposed to face shields. Remember that one? The masks aren't enough. You need to put one of these shields like you, if you're using a grinder, (laughs) you put a grinder shield on because you got this shield hanging down in front of your face. That's completely open on the bottom. You're not going to get the deadly doom virus. Always fun. Always fun to look at that stuff and remind people how stupid it is. But you see, people like that, they believe because it don't matter. You're not going to convince them. It's a religious dogma. Speaking of religious dogma, we got to get into the Christian specific segment. You know, we we got to go. Let's do it. Y'all know what to do. Get in there. Fill those pews. Let's get into this week's sermon here at the Parish of the Patriots. As most of you, I'm sure quite well aware, one of my main contingents I have with the MCC is their simplistic notion of salvation and of the gospel. Why if you I, I, I've I've said this before, but I've seen um I've I've seen churches and people who mean well and they'll pass out these pens it's like if you'll read this phrase that you you know read after me here just just read what's written here and if you'll read what's written here that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I've got good news for you for you are going to heaven you see god cannot change his mind god cannot god god will be forced to let you into the kingdom of god as if there's nothing else required i attribute part of this to the twisting up of language we see this in political talk today Words have no meaning. They're constantly shifting. This is the work of the devil, his worm tongue. The devil turns and twists, and, and words mean what they say at the time, and, and tomorrow it could mean something else. As we see it in political talk, this has happened over the years with, with regard uh, to salvation and, and to what's written in the Bible. As you all that have been listening for a while know, I, I have a true belief that there's no empty emotionalism in the Bible. Everything refers to actions and deeds, and I believe what's written here You know, backs up what I'm saying. What's written in the Bible backs up what I'm saying, that there's no empty emotionalism. But yet people tend to read these things, and, and it makes it easy because these words have been twisted, the meanings of such have been twisted to the point that people apply the modern, what's the latest meaning? And of course, one of the most abused is love, also is faith. In regards to faith, if your faith is based on emotionalism, now, don't get me wrong. There's times you read the Bible and you and, and God perhaps opens your eyes and your heart and you come to understand something and you feel a great joy and a comfort and you pray you're praising God that you know He He has opened your eyes to understand a deeper meaning in this and that's all well and good, but that feeling of joy, that feeling of comfort and 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 that you have in the Lord, that's not faith. There's just simply an emotion. Your faith is carried out in your deeds. Jesus tells a, a parable, and I'm not going to go and quote it right here because, but he 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 tells a parable. He says, You have two sons. And the father says to the two sons, you know, I want you to go and do this, that, or the other. And the first son says, No, I'm not doing that. I, I, I'm not. I, I'm just not going to go do it. While the second son says, sure, daddy, I'll I'll go get right to that. I'll I'll, I'll get on. I'll get on first thing in the morning. The first son who initially refused thought about it and then begrudgingly went and carried out the work that his father asked him to do. Where the one that looked his daddy in the eye and said, sure, daddy, I'll get right on that. He never bothered. He never got around. And then he follows this up by asking which one of the two is the faithful son. He points out in this. That it is your deeds. This is what faith is. Which one is the faithful son? It has nothing to do with words. This notion that you can simply recite a line—I think this falls in line with this this vision. I, I don't know this view that Americans have, and uh, that that like. Judgment Day or the the Kingdom of God—it's like an American courtroom or something. And and like if you can just catch God up in a legal technicality, you see, you said these words, and God, God's got to stick to it. And since you recited the words out loud, then God has to stick to it. And it doesn't matter; everything else doesn't matter. And this is this is solely uh, this is they're solely mistaken. This is a false teaching. I believe this emphasis. On emotionalism when it comes to context in the Bible is a reflection of the feminization, the overemphasis on, on on the feminine, both in our society and in the church, namely the different Protestant denominations. There's this overemphasis on emotion. One of the other most abused words from the Bible is love. Love is the definition of love, has been also so abused. That 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 people equate it to, again, an empty emotionalism. But people have no idea what love means. I don't know how many different times I've heard someone say, one of the things I really struggle with, I'm I'm trying, but one of the things I really struggle with is, you know, love your enemies, man. I, I have a hard time with that, you know, because man, it's just it's just hard to love some people. And it's like, well, how are you defining love if it's empty emotionalism well that's just that's just silly if it what well, i mean you're supposed to if you're defining love as a feeling of intimate affection well of course you're not going to feel that for an enemy you don't feel that for a stranger I tend to ridicule when, you know, there's a story of a tragic event, you know, six people died in a horrific head on accident out on the interstate and people will sit there and go, Oh, my heart is just broken over this. And they have no idea who these people are. And it's a lie. Your heart's not broken. The families of those people, their hearts are broken, but your heart's not broken. You don't know those people. It's empty, meaningless emotionalism. God never commands his people to lie. Not to yourself. You're not supposed to lie to yourself. The idea that, oh, I I tell you what, I, I have these enemies, but I love them. And you're defining love as an intimate feeling, emotion of affection. Well, that's a lie. Of course you don't. You don't have that feeling towards complete strangers, much less towards somebody that really, in your opinion, is a real complete asshole. And you'd really rather not have anything to do with them. It comes down to how you treat people. People sit there surprised when you say, well, I think you're probably already loving your enemies. I don't know what you're struggling with. And it's like, well, what what, what do you mean? Well, how do you treat your family? If you, you know, do you treat them fairly? You know, do do you do what's required? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how do you do your business dealings with people you're ambivalent about? Do you run around? If you get the chance, do you cheat people? Do you screw them over? Do you lie to them? Well, no, no, I don't do that. Okay, well, what if you're interacting with somebody that you don't like? Because we're going to define an enemy here. It's going to be somebody you don't like. Maybe they met, maybe they have or they have not, uh, you know, antagonized you or cheated you in some way or manner. How do you interact with somebody like that? Do you get your chance? You're going to lie and cheat and and if you can rip them off, by golly, you're going to do it. Or do you just you sit there and go, man. I can't stand this guy, but I'm still not going to lie. I'm going to treat them fairly. Well, no, I, I I try to treat everybody fairly, even people I don't like. Voila! Congratulations, you basically have succeeded in love thy enemies one o one. And then people are all shocked. It's like, wait, wait, that's it? Yes, that's it. God isn't telling you to lie to yourself and pretend you have an intimate affection for somebody that's a real asshole. I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. But again, the church has gone into this emphasis in society as a whole, is reflective of society as a whole, this overemphasis on the feminine, on the emotion. Everything has been defined down into some form of emotionalism. What's faith? Well, faith is if I feel real confident in the Lord. No, it's not. It's what you do. It's because here, let me, let me make this point. I, I have a lot of points I want to make, and I'm, I'm sorry because I keep getting hung up here. Which, which one do I want to make next? Here's the thing. If, if you attach your faith to an emotion, to a feeling, you're always going to be doomed to failure because Satan can manipulate your emotions. Maybe not directly even. It's not like he gets inside you and is tinkering with your hormones or something to manipulate your emotions, but he can get you to questioning. Is God really gonna do that? Do you really think that's gonna work out? And then you start getting anxious and you start feeling all of this. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm kind of worried about that. I I'm, I'm kind of anxious and 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 I don't know. And even this, if that feeling has nothing to do with your faith. And and people will often say, Oh, my faith is really faltering. Wow, so well, I really I, I'm really worried a lot about, but what are you gonna do? You see, if you're in the height of an emotional feeling of doubt, anxiety, and and questioning, but at the end of the day, you do what you believe God wants you to do, regardless of your emotions. Ding, ding! Congratulations again. You you've passed Faith One Hundred and One. Has nothing to do with emotionalism. Uh, let's look at. We're going to look at uh, Luke. Chapter 13. We're going to do verses 18 through 21, and then we'll look at verses, kind of skip ahead just a little, and look at verses 24 through 27. Then he said, and this is Jesus speaking, Unto what is the kingdom of God like, and whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. And again he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. This illustrates, you're talking about yeast, starting off in a little bit and working through bread. You're talking about a mustard seed, which is tiny, which makes a great tree that the birds can land in. You see, it starts off, it is a process. I, I know I always say this, and, and I hate sounding like a broken record, but as I've said before, I really don't think these concepts are that complicated. I think when you wrap your mind around the basic aspect of it, you know, it's, it's really not that hard. It is it is a it is, is a ongoing project. Your faith is an ongoing project. It starts off as a mustard seed, and and it, it's got to grow. It's a it's a process. This is the wondrous thing about being under grace. And I'm going to read another thing here in just a minute about that. But just like yeast has to work through the dough, you don't throw yeast into the dough and there now it's ready. It's leavened, as they used this old English term, leavened. No, you've got to put the yeast in. Nobody makes bread anymore. I remember being a little kid, you know, and, and the older women would make bread from scratch. And they'd work the yeast in, and you'd sit around, they'd cover it, and you'd wait. And that bread would rise up, but then do it right away. You see, the yeast has to work its way through. That's how your faith is. This is the point of this life. I, I laugh when even Christian people are like, well, I don't understand the meaning of life. Well, here it is. The whole process, that's what I always always say, look, don't get discouraged. You're going through the process. You may be struggling with sin in your life, but the fact that you're struggling is a sign that you're on the right track. It is a process. The yeast, which is your faith, which is the deeds of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the yeast has to work its way through the dough throw the mustard seed out there and poof, a tree comes up. It's a process to go from a tiny, tiny seed to a big tree that birds can land in. It takes a while for the yeast to work through the dough. It's a process. That's, that's the meaning of life. Now, I said we were going to do verses 24 through 27, and we are. But before we do that, I want to jump over to John chapter 5, verses 21 through 22. Jesus, again speaking, for as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth uh, whom he will. And the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Let me let me read that again. I think this is very important. For the Father judgeth no man and hath commit but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. This means you are either under grace or you're not. It is an either or. You are either under grace or you're not. This is what he means, I believe, when when he says the father committed all judgment under the son. If you are under grace, because it's just a question, if you're under grace or if you're not, if you are under grace, then you're free to do to go through the process. Understand when God created Adam right at the very beginning, this was the point. It got delayed. From the beginning, when he created man, the whole point was to set up a system where man could go through a maturing process before entering the kingdom of God. That was the whole point at the beginning. It got derailed. It got derailed. And. And it took time, but what Jesus has done is fulfill. That's why Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the prophets and the law. Jesus fulfilled the original intention. You got all this time went from Adam to Jesus Christ for the program to get back on track to where now you can go through the process. Remember what we just read. The yeast takes a while to work through the dough. You got to wait. You got to sit there and wait. Watch for it to rise up because it takes a while for that yeast to work through. You, you've got to go through the process. But if you're under the law, you can't go through the process because you're basically constantly under one form of condemnation or the other because you, you, you just, you're sinful. You're in a fallen state. It's a state of man in this world. So you're under that. But if you were under grace by the fulfillment of Jesus Christ, this is what he means again, when the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. Because if you are under grace, now you can wait for that yeast to work its way, waiting for the bread to rise. It's going to rise. You, the yeast is going to work its way through the dough. It's got to take a while. You got to work through it. Now you're no longer under the law. Now you're free to work through the process and you are fulfilling what God intended when He created Adam, all the way back at the beginning. This was the original point of God creating man so that he could go through this process. Again, it got all derailed and it took a while, but Jesus fulfilled the original intention of God. Now you can go through the process. Finally, hallelujah. You can go through the process and the yeast, the word of God, the yeast can work through the dough you can spiritually mature and prepare for the life to come for the kingdom of god to come now with all of this in mind does this sound like something that's boy can be boiled down to if you read this this line here that you accept jesus as your lord and savior then you you you've got god in a legal technicality and no matter what you do you're going to heaven does that even sound does that even sound like it makes any sense I want to go ahead and jump back over to Luke. And we're going to do, as I said before, we're going to do chapter 13. Now we're going to do verses uh, 24 through 27. Jesus speaking once again, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, "Lord, Lord, open unto us," and he shall answer and say unto you, "I know ye not whence ye are." I have to stop here. I, I, I <laughs> I'm just sitting here, just like I have to. I, I've got to stop. I've got to stop and, and, and make some points again. Enter in the straight gate for many. Will try to enter in and will not be able to. Does this sound like a simplistic theme? You have to strive. What do you got to do? You got to strive. Does that sound like you're just sitting around on your ass? No, you have to strive to enter. It takes effort. You could work through it. Yeast got to work through the dough. You got to strive to enter in. A lot are going to try to enter and they're not going to be able to do so now when the master of the house rises up and shuts the door you see death is coming the older you get the more you're attuned to that fact i said this i've said this a number of times before i find it so silly when people sit around and go do you think jesus you think we're going to see the day of the lord in our lifetimes the answer for every single person who has ever existed is an absolute yes Because the minute you die, you step out of the existence of time and you will step into the day of the Lord. Trust me, after you breathe that last breath in this life, you are going to see the day of God. Don't be acting like, well, someday, maybe don't 100% guarantee you're going to see the day of the Lord. And when that day comes and the door is shut, whether you happen to be the few people out of all of history who happen to be walking around still in time when that gets torn back and then Jesus returns, or you're like everybody else and you see the day of the Lord when you die. When you die and that door is shut, look, it's over. This is the urgency here. This is the, the imperative. You can't go around acting like, well, I've got all the time in the world. When the door is shut, when you die, it's done. There's no looking at the kingdom of God and going, oh, my gosh, I was wrong all this time. It's, it's too late. There's no going back. There's no, you're not going to go get another round at it. You're not going to get to you know, go back to this. <laughs> you're not going to get reincarnated like a video game, you know, and your character gets get, gets killed, but it doesn't count. You get respawn. You go back to the spawn point and you get to try to complete the quest again. It doesn't work like that. People want to comfort themselves. Well, it's okay because I, I, I'll just respawn and 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 maybe next time I'll get it right. No, you better be getting your sh- <laughs> you better be getting it right now. You only get one go with this thing. You better be getting it right now. We better be going through the process. The yeast better be working through the bread. Got to get it. There is no second to go around. This is the urgency Jesus is stating here. Look, when the master shuts the gate, you're done. If you're on the other side of that gate, you can beg, you can cry and say, Lord, Lord, I, I said the words, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name in the streets. Uh, I, I told people about you. And he says, go away. I don't even know who you are. They're banging on the door. Lord, Lord, we, we spoke your name in the streets. We prophesied in your name. We, we did this. We did that. And Jesus says, I know you not. I don't know who you are. Go away. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. This idea the judgment is like sitting in a courtroom and Jesus, I I remember, this sticks with me. Because I remember as a young person being in church, and they actually taught this. I I remember being told this, you know, judgment, when you're saved, you're going to go before the Lord. And God is going to be, God is going to be sitting up there in the judgment seat. But you see, Jesus is going to be your defense attorney. I remember this illustration being taught to the people. I laugh at it now because it's so stupid but I didn't know any better at the time. And a lot of people don't know any better now. And they gave this illustration that God is sitting up there. Maybe it's like the British system. God is wearing the white wig. God is sitting up there in the judgment seat. God is sitting on his throne and he is the judge, but you're good. You said these words. You said you accept Jesus. Now you've contracted Jesus Christ to be your defense attorney. Imagine Jesus is like one of them, (laughs) like one of those, those, uh, ambulance attorneys, you know, been in a car wreck. (laughs) They have them everywhere. No matter where you live, like here today, they got this one guy, the Texas hammer. If you live in Texas, you know, Jim Adler, the Texas hammer, I'll hammer the insurance companies and get what you deserve. You go through a stretch of interstate through DFW, I-30, and it's just solid billboards for all these trial attorneys, all these all these injury attorneys. 90% of all these attorneys, I'm getting off on a tangent, has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Well, like 90% of every attorney that goes to law school becomes, a, I guess, an injury attorney. You know, Like, man, you know, I, I've got some problem with the federal government. I need a lawyer. We don't do that, but I tell you what, if you get in a car wreck on the way to court, give me a call. I'll hammer the insurance company because not much effort is required. Now, they said, Jesus is going to be, you have contracted Jesus to be your defense attorney. And God is sitting up there in the judgment throne. He's scowling at, he's looking for a chance to curse you into hell. But you see, you've got a slick defense attorney. You've got Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jesus Christ and partners, LLC, (laughs) making your defense. And the disciples, you see, the disciples, the apostles, they're sitting as your jury, and they are going to decide. Silly. It's all very silly. That illustration, stupid, we just read. What did Jesus say? He says, the Father has committed all judgment unto me. That means Jesus is the determining factor here. You're either under grace or you're not. So that means judgment has all been committed to Jesus Christ. It's not some stupid courtroom. Thank, <laughs> praise be to God. It is not some stupid American or British courtroom. It's just a fact. You're either under grace so that you're working yeast through your dough or you're not. I think the, this false teaching is an easy sell to people. Because people like the idea of nothing being required on their part. You hear of people, you know, and they get caught up in these scams, you know, and they get scammed. And you and you hear this person got scammed, and then when you hear the nature of the scam, you sit there and scratch your head, and you're like, why Why did you believe that? I mean, what, what, why, why did you believe that? Well, because their ego got padded, and basically, at the end of the day, nothing. Nothing much was required on their part. All they had to do was send some money, and voila, everything would be taken care of. And, of course, they get scammed. People you know, like the idea that, that nothing's going to be required on their part. And the church has, I, I've criticized this as well in the past, but you know they've taken up a business model. Like, church is a business. We just got to get more customers. We got to get more customers in here. And you, it's an easy sell. We're selling Jesus Christ like he's a commodity or something. Like he's a loaf of bread. We're selling Jesus. We got Jesus on sale. Come in here. Say these words. Nothing will be required on your part after that. All you got to do is say the words. you right now, buddy, you could be in trouble. I don't even think they want to talk about hell anymore. They try to act like hell doesn't exist, which is something another topic entirely of why they would do that. But you see, they've got to sell Jesus. So they, again, to market Jesus Christ to people, they try to market it in a manner to where there's no efforts required on your part. Nothing is required of you. It's all on God. It's not hard to imagine why you're going to have all these people banging on the cake going, wait a minute, Lord, Lord. I said the words, Lord, Lord. I was baptized when I was 10 years old in the church. Lord, Lord. Okay, but what did you do after that? Where's your faith? What do you mean faith? Now, some would hear what we discuss here, what we're discussing here, and think that I'm promoting something negative, but it's not. This is a true, this is the true message of hope. Your your faith is this tiny, tiny mustard seed. And it's going to grow a tree. You you may just be a little sprout right now. And that could be discouraging because you probably falsely have this view that all these other people are giant trees already. And you're running behind. No, they're not. Everybody's at a different stage. You may be a little sprout. Guess what? Some people are just they're still back there at the mustard seed. They're just starting. You. <laughs> you've got to go through. The process, and this way, you don't want to. the The sooner you can come into your faith, the better. You don't want to. You don't want to just again when the master closes the gate, it's done. When you when you're dead, your process is over. I've heard people. I've heard people. They'll say, "All my problems with Christianity is the idea somebody do whatever they want to, and then like the day before they die, they accept Jesus and they're going into heaven." Well, a (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't work that way. We've already covered that. I've beaten that horse to death as far as you're not just saying empty words. But even if somebody were sincere into coming under, it was hypothetically, hypothetically, a week before they die, somebody sincerely comes to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and, and they're ready to go through this process. But you only got a week left. You're going to leave this world. You're still a mustard seed. That's That's what you're going to show up with. Well, what do you got to show? You got a big tree to show or do you got a little, well, I have my mustard seed, Lord. This is as far as I got. You want to bear the fruit. You, you got to go through. You want to go through the process. The sooner you can get going with that, the better off you are. You want to show up the kingdom of God with a mustard seed and say, well, I managed to slide in here with my mustard seed. And you're looking around. Other people are at various stages of big tree growth, <laughs> bearing fruit. You know, well, I, I bared this, I bore this much fruit, Lord. That's what I was able to accomplish. And you standing there like you done something. With your mustard seed heaven, with your mustard seed heaven, self. Got to show up. You show up with some results. You want to have something to show for what you did. Anyway, I hope you got something out of the message today. And I, I hope there, I, I hope. I hope maybe it means something to you. I do appreciate you tuning in uh, this week. I hope you'll get a chance to listen to all our content here on Radio Albion. I'll be back on Friday to wrap your week up with the Daily Nationalists. I hope you'll get a chance to check that out as well. We do our best. Uh, of course, everybody looks forward to Dr. Johnson's show on Wednesday and as well as his Daily Nationals on Thursday. I hope you'll check all of it out as well. Again, thank you for joining us this week, and I hope to see you here next week for the Parish of the Patriots.